Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In the Money Players podcast. This is our full card look at Haskell Day at Monmouth Park with betting news. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, coming to you from the Jersey Shore. I wish I could orient the camera the other way because we have a really cool bird feeder in the window here. And we just saw a nice red-bellied woodpecker. There's some finches on there now. But the way the light was coming in, it was all washed out. You weren't going to see anything. So we, we turned things around. Here I am just minutes from Monmouth Park, joined by two men who will be there today as well. Starting with a man, we gave him the week off last week, but he's here, and this is a big week for him. Really interested to see what he thinks of this Haskell Day card from BetMakers. He is Dallas Baker. Dallas, what's going on? Peter, exciting week. Uh, yeah, it's uh, leading into our first million-dollar race of uh, fixed odds, and it's very exciting. Can't wait to see you both down at the shore very soon. And also, we have coming to us, uh, no longer in Texas, but in uh, the great state of New Jersey. He is from InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Nick Tamaro. Nick, how was the trip in? It was great. Ready to rock and roll. Looking forward to a big Haskell day and all the excitement that comes with it. What do you, what can you tell us so far, just in general, you had betting open yesterday, I believe, Dallas. Was the, was the handle looking like it was going to be something a little different than what you've been seeing so far for this Haskell day? Yeah, yeah, we're already holding some pretty good money at the Haskell, starting to starting to come in, and uh, yeah, I expect that to be pretty a pretty good hold today. So, naturally, with us just betting at Monmouth at Monmouth at the moment, uh, there's still like there's still a chance the app might be up and running at some stage this afternoon as well too. But obviously, our holds are commensurate to uh, what's the size of the crowd, and it, uh, it's going to be a pretty hot day there uh, today at uh, Monmouth, but it's uh, a clear and uh, clear and a day without rain. So hopefully. Uh, Hopefully we'll we'll see the uh, the biggest holes we've had so far. In the big picture of life, I think we'll take it. Hopefully, it's going to be that the drier heat and, like you say, the rain, no rain in the forecast, which is always good. And hopefully, there'll be a there'll be a little bit of a breeze blowing through Monmouth today. Before we dive into this fourteen race card, I did want to take a second to talk a, a little bit about the betmakers uh, bonanza, the bonus happening. Dallas, uh, you know, a couple of courses who, based on the numbers they've run, would seem to be eligible for a feat like this. So tell us what you guys are doing. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and there's, I mean, the two favourites especially, um, you know, could could be contenders to put their hand up for the Bonanza. Um, the Betmakers Bonanza, we started at uh, the Year Authentic, uh, did what looked to be Mission Impossible by winning the Haskell and then the Kentucky Derby and then going on to win the Breeders' Cup in the COVID-affected uh, diary of... Uh, 2020 um so basically any horse that can win today's haskell and then go on to win the travers at saratoga and then go on to win the breeders cup in november will get an extra one million dollars bonus from betmakers and uh, great idea of dennis drazen which uh, he came from monmouth park who came up with the idea in the in the COVID affected year for something a little bit different and uh, with the success of authentic has continued on so uh, yeah we're really happy to be Again, uh, putting our name behind a, a great initiative for, from Monmouth Park uh, in conjunction with Dennis and his fantastic team there. So, yeah, hopefully, uh, like uh, 2020, we uh, can go go into the Breeders' Cup with uh, with it live and uh, hopefully somebody can take it out sort of as a representative of Monmouth Park in the Breeders' Cup. I like it. It's a good idea. Now, you can take uh, the man out of Australia, but you can't take the Australia out of the man. You've been here two years now. we got to work on your pronunciation of Derby. 
yeah, done. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I worked on it. <laughs> you won't get me saying Derby. <laughs> uh, I'll change a lot, but I'll be Derby. Thank you. <laughs> the card kicks off today nice and early. We've got a 12 o'clock post time. We, we, we begin with these allowance runners on the grass. Phillies and mares. What, what's the betting look like here, Dallas? Yeah, obviously a good race to start it with a good, good, uh, good size numbers. With the bells on is the favourite at three dollars fifty five to two, just ahead of Regal Realm three dollars eighty, and next pick No Valor just a tick under four to one at four dollars and eighty cents. So uh, a nice and uh, nice and an even open race to start the day. This is a nice looking full field, Nick. What way are you going to go to kick things off on this Haskell Day card? Yeah, it felt like a relatively fast pace in here. I did think that No Valor was a little. Uh, little interesting coming from off of it, second off the layoff. She fled the scene on the outside. Was a little pace compromised last time out. Still finished up well. Now second off the layoff for Kathleen O'Connell. Just has to negotiate a trip from the outside. They're going the straightaway mile on a 16th, which I think will probably help her chances all in all. She's a Philly that got quite a bit better over the winter in Tampa. And we see that form carry over on the turf uh, pretty nicely, I would say. With Bells on, clearly the one to beat coming in off a pretty game-maiden win at Belmont. You do have to acknowledge, though, that this is a horse that Todd Pletcher is clearly saying is not good enough to win a one other than at Saratoga. That's part of the reason why she's here. But her speed figure last time out stacked up against uh, these rivals really makes her borderline a standout. All right, so the key numbers for you there, 2 and 8. Did I write that down right? 2, 8, 11. 2, 8, 11. Beautiful. Okay, let's yeah. move on to the back half of this early double Two-year-old maiden special weights going five and a half. Nick, we'll keep it with you. Yeah, the, I thought that the five blamed a rule maker who worked 21 and two-fifths at the OBS April sale looked interesting. We don't see Colts Neck buy a lot of horses. They're generally a breed-to-race operation. Reached in and took this one for that price. This Colt is a half to the UAE 2000 Guineas winner, who was also a three-time winner. The dam's a half to grade three winner, Soaring Empire. So there's reason to believe this one can be ready on debut. The six Royal Mover went off three to one on debut for Todd Fletcher. Didn't get out of the gate all that great. Ended up picking up the pieces late, but that's turned out to be a pretty key maiden race with Great Navigator coming back to run second in the Sanford. Roll Again Dancer came back to break his maiden in his next start. We were supposed to see Ea on Thursday at Saratoga, but he was scratched. One other one to mention is the two easy as ABC quick workouts for Kelly Breen. Just a 6% sire in 2016 Horse of the Year Arrogate, but this one worked 10 and two-fifths at the OBS March sale. Pacos and the Irons will see plenty of support here as well. Not much when it comes to horse racing is as easy as ABC, and I imagine that definitely applies to pricing up uh, two-year-olds who haven't run. What approach did you take here, Dallas? Yeah, it's just, it's just the same metrics, I suppose, everybody else does. Uh, the, you know, looking at the breeding, the, uh, you know, the, the connections was obviously a huge factor when it comes to uh, the two-year-olds, but I think also, too, as I often say with two-year-old racing, um, and this race is probably a little bit, uh, is not overly reflective of it because it's quite a tight bunch market. But it's just taking the chances with the horses that, um, you know, that you look at and you, you want to be a bit um, safe with. But then you look back at a lot of these races and you've you got to have the courage to say that they are 50 to 1 chances or 20 to 1 chances or something along those lines and price them accordingly so then you can actually get the favourite short enough. And the favourite is pretty much short enough. Uh, two to one is its current price. Easy as ABC, $3 flat in decimal. Just ahead of Nick's selection, uh, Layman, the rule maker at $3.80, so between five to two and three to one. 
And the next picks are a four to one Freedom Road. So five dollars decimal for Joel Rosario. Our first of the day's stakes races comes in race number three. It's the Wolf Hill Stakes, five and a half on the turf with a hundred thousand dollars in the pot. Dallas, who'd you make the favorite? Uh, we have made the favourite, number two, big package at $2.70. But um, good thing about our discussion here being uh, race day morning, we can talk about some pretty good live action. And we have taken some pretty serious bets on the critical way. Uh, it opened up about the $4.20 mark and is now into $3, $3.80. So floating around that fat five to one to now, a, a fat three to one into a skinny three to one. Um, and, but it's still third pick in the market with Belgrano down the bottom towards the bottom number seven, three dollars and twenty cents. So a bit better than two to one. Interesting stuff, Nick. Where did you go in here? Yeah, big package uh, ended up starting at Saratoga on Thursday, so he's probably not going to go in here. And I think that will perhaps lead to a little bit more action coming on the critical way. I like proven strategies, who I thought ran well behind Belgrano last time out in the select. You have the, the first, second, and fourth place finishers from that race coming back. Dallas mentioned the critical way, who ended up fourth in there. Went off two to one, showed speed, got collared late, um, putting together a, a pretty good effort all in all. I just think he meets significantly more pace pressure here, and that really has to help both Proven Strategies and Belgrano, who do their best running late. Last time was really the time on Proven Strategies at 16 to one. We're going to get probably more like three or four to one in here, but I do think the five and a half with a pace setup really suits him. If you were to rank those three, what order would you put them? I would pick a three, five, seven. Three, five, seven. Good opportunity for a tangent. What happens if you've already made your bet on the critical way and then the, this other runner, one of the ones near the top of the market, comes out? Dallas, how, how can folks expect that to work? Yeah, we. I mean, it, it, this is one of the trickier things to explain when it comes to fixed odds betting because there are. Do, this is the only time your price will change with deductions applying if they're scratching. So basically, um, just like what the tote pool will do when it recalculates the odds when a scratching comes out, in order for people to get their money back on the scratching, obviously the price the price adjustments need to be made. And obviously those horses' mathematical chances are usually greatly improved with the scratching or improved commensurately to the odds of the, uh, the horse that is scratched. So there's a scratchings formula that's available online and around all the, um, around at all the windows that uh, basically sees that you just have a clip of the ticket come out if, um, you know, to, uh, to um, recalculate or, um, you know, re redefine those odds once those, uh, once the horse comes out. So um, basically if there, if there is, and the horse was, uh, what price have you got, what price did I say the, uh, the, uh, that one was around about two to one, wasn't it? Yeah, around about two to one. Two to one. So basically then you would receive a probably about a 25 cent in the dollar deduction if you um, um if that horse is scratched. So that just recalculates the odds. And as I said, it's the lesser, le the, the lesser of two evils of not getting your money back if your horse is scratched. I mean, I think it's the only fair way to do it. Very much of an international standard. Let's move on to race number four, where we've got three-year-old and up fillies allowance types going a mile and 70 on the dirt in a race that uh, Timeform US suggests there, there's not a whole ton of pace in. Nick, uh, who do you expect to win? Yeah, I think based on that notion, it would really behoove Manny Franco to put Big Bad Diva close to the pace. She showed some speed most recently. At Gulfstream back in April, she's a quicker horse on the dirt than she's been on any other surface. And really, her speed figures make her 
look tough to beat on paper. I would imagine her drifting down to favoritism when all is said and done. The five suspended campaign was claimed by Orlando Noda back in April and has had the misfortune of running into wet tracks and two straight starts. I think getting back to a dry surface might really bring out her best. She's had limited opportunities around two turns racing almost exclusively in New York where um, we're, we're losing two turn races left and right with the Aqueduct staying on the main track pretty much all winter. But I do think her late closing style is not a big problem here, given that she can show a little bit more positional speed. And I think you can count on a little bit of pace from the 10 ready to film on the outside who comes back off a layoff and did show some uh, early interest in her most recent start at Tampa. Six, five and 10 for Nick in race number four from a market perspective, Dallas, what are we looking at? Yeah, the six has come up favorite, big bad David between the two to one, five to two market, $3 and 30 cents. DR Del Sol next in the market, number eight, which Nick didn't mention at around about the seven to two mark, $4.40. 40. And next in line in the betting is suspended campaign number five at $7.50. So sit between six and seven to one. Oh, forensic Freedom is uh, five to one, $6 flat. And the one mentioned, Nick, down the bottom, um, ready to film. Uh, a nice price at about $10 or nine to one. The win early pick five closes out in race number five. We've got $12,000 claimers, three and up going a mile on the turf. Dallas, will keep it on uh, your side of the court to get your idea of the opening prices in this competitive looking heat. Yeah, it's a great day's racing, isn't it? So isn't it one of the, the thing I love about big days is the races in and around it. And, uh, you know, you just get that extra quality. And obviously we've got these, you know, most of the best, right. Most of the top riders from New York coming around or a lot of them anyway. So it's uh, just great, isn't it? This is where it gets really exciting. But the uh, favorite in this race is on the couch around about the five to two mark, $3 and 60 cents. Just ahead of the Paco Lobez Mount Unleveraged at three to one or four dollars in the decimal language. Nick, what's going to uh, pay out this or win early pick five? Yeah, I wanted to try for a little bit of a price here with the five call bros who drops back in for a tag from face starter handicap foes last time out. I mean, looking through that field, those horses were much, much better than what he meets here. And with all due respect to uh, the jockey whose first name I don't know, whose last name is Mezzatesta. I would say that this is an upgrade to Alvin Jimenez, journeyman who's been around a while. Third off a layoff, two starts back. This horse ran well, albeit against Lesser. He had nothing go right last time out. Got left in the gate, lagged behind, never really ran at all, but now looks to rebound and is in a position, I think, where he'll get a pretty decent pace to run at in the closing stages. That's about all he needs in order to make an impact. I also thought the eight cabinet pick dropping back in for 12-5 was interesting. A starter allowance company last time out, too much for him. Midday Image, for example, who was second in there, of course, ran in the Pan American in April. So that was very good competition. Richard Mitchell needs to just be a little careful about pulling the trigger. He moved cabinet pick way too early, two straight races, and ended up uh, leading to pretty unsettling defeats each time because he might have been best both times on May 22nd and June 19th. He runs back to those races. He's a definite threat in the Christ. Very interesting race to maybe go fishing for a price in race number five. Race six is an allowance, mile 70 on the dirt. Uh, we've got nine runners going postward here, or at least scheduled to go postward here. Uh, the favorite on the morning line, number eight, Dust Devil. Is that how you have it as well, Dallas? Yeah, yeah, just favorite, uh, Pete. It's Dust Devil is $3.80, um, so just a tick under three to one. 
uh, ahead of Awesome April, who is bang on three to one at four dollars. So yeah, just holding favoritism at the moment. Pete in what looks a pretty competitive betting race. Uh, Steiner down the bottom, five dollars and fifty cents, or nine to two ahead of uh, Dreaming of Jerry at six dollars fifty, or twenty-five and six to one. There is sort of a middle pick four happening to kick off this leg. Nick, if you play it, what numbers will be on your tickets? I can tell you what number won't, and that'll be Dust Devils. Um, I'm not going to tell the guy that uh, that handles the fixed odds betting what to do, but I would take on Dust Devil all day long. This is a horse who hasn't won in over a year and, and really hasn't been keeping particularly good company. Bill Mott is not one of those guys that ships his good horses out of New York or Kentucky. And so the fact that this horse has been on the travel squad in the Mid-Atlantic is not a good sign. Um, he comes in off a poor effort. He's probably a little bit better horse on faster tracks than a sloppy surface like uh, he ran on last time in Delaware. But he couldn't have been worse at one to two, uh, finishing a badly beaten third when he had really no discernible excuse whatsoever. I, I think number one affable monarch is interesting for Jorge Duarte Jr. Switching surfaces, third off a layoff, two starts back. The son of Arrogate was wide the entire way. And uh, I thought that saving ground on Black Eyed Susan Day at Pimlico was pretty important. This is a race, I think, where he can take a bit of a step forward. He's still trying to prove that his two-year-old races were not fluky, and I do think he's run better in his two three-year-old starts, so there's plenty of upside there. Jose Ortiz in and uh, grabs the mount. Number seven, Dreaming of Jerry, is another threat to me. Absolutely tremendous effort, two starts back, where he earned an 89 buyer speed figure and a zero on the thoroughbreds, a winning by eight lengths at Parks, tested deeper waters at Churchill last time out. That company much too tough. This is a big class drop. Looking to focus around the one and the seven, it sounds like for you to get this thing uh, one this middle pick four kicked. Yeah, one seven two are my uh, my three in order. All right, let's do it, and then we will talk about race number seven, allowance race once again. Good quality today, that's for sure. Mile and a sixteenth on the turf, and another big full field of twelve expected to start. Nick, who do you like in here? I thought the eight larger than life was a price that you could try. Um, coming in off of one other than that I think was tougher from top to bottom. Though future victory, uh, who was second in that race, came back and underperformed at Saratoga on Friday afternoon. I still feel like larger than life is meeting a, a field that's weaker than that one at the one other than level. Two starts back, he ran well with some trouble to be fourth at this level. Just looked like a horse that, that was going to be a fair price that I think you would want to include at, a, at, at that number. Moving to the far outside, the 12, Leo Monte, Jersey bred coming out of a Jersey bred stake race, chased the pace and tired. That was definitely a better field than this one. He's pure gold. Who won that race will try the UN later on in this card. I also wanted to mention the nine, Montauk Summer, who got trainer Mike Dini off the duck on June 24th. Now goes second off a layoff. Versatile in that he can sit a little bit off the pace, and it does feel like the tempo in here should be pretty strong. Dallas, this looks like a potentially tricky one to price up from a fixed odds perspective. How did you do yeah. it? Well, hopefully uh, hopefully we've uh, got a well, not got it right, but got it a little bit wrong because Nick's uh, a couple of their Nick's mentioned are really nice prices. I'll just mention the one that Nick had on top there, larger than life. $14, Nick, for you, if you don't mind, 13 to 1. That doesn't sound too bad, does it? Um, Leo Monty, your next pick was $5.50 or 9 to 2. And Montauk Summer, another good price, around about the 11 to 1 mark, $12 decimal. But yeah, as you alluded to, um, Peter, it's, uh, it's a nice, uh, nice wide and open race, that's for sure. The two-step and Kluki is the favourite just at a tick under three to one at $3.90, just ahead of Dominate dominate the Moment, number 10, at $4.40 or seven to two. But yeah, it does look a very competitive betting race. 
The graded stakes portion of the card kicks off with race number eight. The grade three Monmouth Cup on paper looks like a bit of a match between number six Pipeline and number seven Highly Motivated. Is that how you priced it, Dallas? Pretty much, Pete. You've, it's, it's, it's as, it's as uh, close to equal favourites as you possibly can get. Uh, $2.15 is your current favourite for Pipeline. So we're talking about between the even money and three to two mark for both of these and highly motivated. $2.20, so it's a bit shorter than three to two, I should say, $2.20. So they're basically the duel before the race is for favouritism with Pipeline just favourite. Two fifteen, a, a very, very not even a roll in front of uh, highly motivated at two dollars twenty, and the only other one under double figures is Rough C at six to one or seven dollars decimal. Nick, what do you think? Is it going to be presumably between those top two? Which one do you prefer? Or do you have uh, any wild ideas for us in here? Yeah, I prefer highly motivated of the two. I, I think that they will not only dominate the attention in the market, rightfully so. But um, Pipeline's pace advantage maybe is, is why some might be swayed in his direction. Um, it's not all that glitters is gold, though. That big win last time out was courtesy of a huge inside bias in Aqueduct. And the thing is, the majority of the public is not going to know that. And they're going to bet what they see as a nine-length win for a horse that's gone a mile and an eighth effectively in the past. So, too, has highly motivated, no doubt about it. I think the only upsetter um, would potentially be informative who won the Salvatore Mile last year at almost 80 to one at Monmouth. This is a horse who's not going to really take much money. The connections don't really garner a great deal of support. And quite honestly, when he does get bet, he doesn't run well. So you, if, if you like him, you want him to go off a big price. He's going to benefit if Pipeline gets a little weary on the front end and maybe highly motivated, ultimately wants to go a little bit shorter. No doubt about it, though. The uh, attention here is definitely on the two outside runners. Race number nine is the grade three matchmaker, Phillies and Mares, three-year-old and up, a mile and an eighth on the turf. Uh, lots of Chad Brown participation in this spot. Will it be one of his flotilla, Nick, or uh, you look in a different direction? Yeah, this is going to be Chad to me. This is a horse that that I would uh, would look forward to betting more than any on the card, and that's the two Lamista who comes in off a third-place finish in the Eatontown. Watching back the Eatontown, she broke slowly from the outside and really took the worst of it pace-wise because they, they just didn't move. The pace was exceptionally slow. Stolen Holiday wired the field. Suge is opting to just run Vigilante's way back um, at the mile and an eighth. And <clears throat> I think Lamista, the other issue she's run into is that she's run in America five times and she's caught firm turf once. And that was in the Eatontown last time out. The turf in the bouquet was not firm. And we know that based on the way that Rougier ran, she needs cut in the ground. She's run poorly in two straight starts on super firm turf since then. I think Lamista, between getting the firm turf and getting any kind of pace set up, really becomes the horse you want to bet. And here, I would imagine that the, the other Chads, Flighty Lady and Fluffy Socks, are going to get some support. Although I do believe that Flighty Lady's main job is to make sure that there's a little pace in front of uh, her stablemate, Lamista. Fluffy Socks, if you're going to say that Lamista was compromised last time out. So was she with a wide trip off the slow pace. I think each of them are dangerous. And then you have Vigilante's Way, who's run some of her best races at Monmouth. So I know I've mentioned four horses here, but I'm definitely looking forward to betting and, and focusing around Lamista. All right. Well, it sounds like you play the two and you feather in the five, six, and seven around it. Is it, is it any harder, Dallas, pricing up a race when a trainer has two or three runners in there? Yeah, look, I, I personally, um, I, I find, I mean, for the pricing mechanisms and all the systems that we use and the algorithms and all that sort of make, makes it make, 
takes away a lot of that uh, the confusion. But I just find it personally. I, I've always found races when you have a trainer with so multiple runners in it, uh, a very similar circumstance with what Chad Brown is over here as Chris Waller in Australia and uh, trying to work out the stable mates. Yeah, it can. I, I personally find it... Uh, Head stuffing, so yeah. But uh, but yeah, as far as as far as churning out the prices, the 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 systems are all in place to do so. And in this case, uh, they've uh, they've said Chugs uh, Chugs in front of Chad. Uh, he's a short, uh, the slight favourite at three dollars forty. So a tick under five to two ahead of uh, Fluffy Socks, three dollars seventy. So a little bit longer. Sorry, I should say in head of Flighty Lady at three dollars sixty. And fluffy socks at three dollars seventy, so a little bit better than five to two for both of those. And uh, Nick's pick is um, is the value of the uh, Chad Brown runners five dollars fifty or nine to two. So, Nick, at that stage of the day, the cheering will be getting loud and loud and large, and hopefully uh, from the uh, betmakers box that uh, that will be cheering for Lamista. Let me ask you very quickly about Lady Rockstar, who I gave some count in here. We'll start Dallas with the price, and then Nick. I just want a, a quick word on her, I, and you could tell me if I'm nuts to to be giving her some support. But what price you got for Lady Rockstar? It, it was the next one in betting, uh, Peter, at uh, 5 to 1 or $6. Okay. What do you think about her chances, Nick? Yeah, I think when push comes to shove, she's probably a cut below the best in here. Um, but you don't often see European shippers run as well as she did in her North American debut and then come back and duplicate it. Oftentimes, there's a little Euro bounce, if you want to call it that. Um, but there wasn't for her. So I do think she... She's worthy of some consideration at uh, what should be a fair price. I think on the tote, she might be a little bit higher than that, but uh, that's a good thing about having the options. All right, let's talk about race number 10, grade three, Molly Pitcher, mile and a 16th on the dirt, field of seven, search results. I'm really eager to hear what price, Dallas, you put search results at as my, my fingers start to twitch seeing the – a morning line of three to two. I'm going to take a wild guess. You open her up a little bit lower than that. Yeah, just a touch. As we've mentioned before, I mean, the morning line is, is has the restrictions of the convention that, uh, you know, try to avoid odds on prices. So if you, you know, you see horses that short on the morning line, they're, gen they're generally odds on chances. And this is a pretty deep odds on chance. A dollar 45. So a tick under one to two research <laughs> results. So you, there's your three to two, Pete. Uh, <laughs> sorry, mate. Oh, well. Uh, we're generous, but we, you know, we can only do so much. Um, that uh, next pick is Bonnie South, around about seven to two, four dollars forty, and the other two under double figures. Uh, best stream at five to one or six dollars and seven dollars fifty for Army Wife. I mean, honestly, I think one to two is reflective of search results chances in here, and I'd personally rather back that than lay it. But Nick, how do you see it? Yeah, yeah, she's an overwhelming favorite. Look, I mean, her. Not only if she runs her last race, she's going to win by the length of the stretch, but she could run her gazelle from last year and win by a comfortable margin. Um, you know, that's not mince words. The three to two morning line is just it's inaccurate. So there's no other way to put it. Um, in fact, looking at things from a comparative standpoint, how is highly motivated a shorter price on the morning line of the Mammoth Cup than search results is in this race? Right. I mean, she towers over this field, highly motivated, at least as a stable mate that looks like he could be competitive. I mean, it, this is. If you're looking for, as much as I think Jack Christopher is going to win the Haskell, if you're looking for a likeliest winner in the uh, the stake sequence here, it's, it's clearly search results. Do you like anything to come with her, or is she stone cold for you? I mean, I think as far as multis go, I wouldn't use anybody else. I just think you're, you're probably wasting money. Army Wife would be the next horse I'd be 
inclined to use. Um, she's run races that would make her competitive. And it looks like she's now kind of back in form based on the wind at Thistledown. But there's no doubt that Mike Maker is definitely taking a very cautious approach to getting her back into graded stake races and was probably hoping he didn't hook a horse like Cirque results when he got her back into them. Fair enough. And, and anything else for underneath at Exactus or anything like that, or just pretty much of a cold three, four for you? You know, I thought the horses that were going to be bet all looked obvious to get in the money. Bonnie South is maybe getting a little long in the tooth, but she's going to appreciate facing weaker horses in here than she did um, in her most recent start. I could see maybe a little support for Penny Baker underneath, who might be better with more distance and clearly underperformed uh, last time out of Churchill for Mike Stidham, but she's going to have to rebound pretty quickly. I was going to try to say that maybe – Army wife gets a little bit gas chasing search results. And I was going to play just a cold three, seven, as far as exactus go, just body South. I don't think she can land a glove on search results, but I think she's got an awfully good chance to pass some tired horses late. If uh, search results gets them off, gets them all off the bridle early, which I suspect is a likely scenario. Let's talk about race number 11, the grade one United nations, a mile and three ace on the turf. Very eager, Nick, to get your thoughts on this race. Yeah, I wish I had something more clever. As much as I've dumped on Gufo, I think that he just might be better around three turns. And um, I, I think that he was probably the most compromised in the Manhattan because he was wider. And you clearly wanted to be towards the inside on that inner turf course. Maybe not as pronounced as we've seen in past years when the rails are taken down for, uh, for the Belmont Stakes Racing Festival. Adamo did have some traffic-related trouble. I thought Adamo really, start to finish, did not get a particularly great ride from Flavian Pratt. He was a little bit indecisive early. He probably could have gotten a little bit closer. I don't think they were beating the winner. You know, the question becomes, what do you do with Tribuven this time around? I mean, it was 19 to one last time out. He's going to be probably a quarter of that in here. I think he's also going to meet more pace pressure, which only goes to help both Gufo and, um, and Adamo. So I feel like when push comes to shove, one of the Manhattan alums will win the race and probably not the Manhattan winner. But um that was all I could find. I wanted to try to tell a story about Temple in here coming back off uh, off a bit of a layoff for, uh, for for Mike Baker. And I thought maybe you could conjure the excuse of moving a little bit early into the fast pace in the Pan American. I will say this. This was another one looking at the morning line. The six to one. I certainly wouldn't want any less than that. And I was hoping maybe I could get a little bit more. What does the market look like for this one, Dallas? Uh, for you, Pete, we can accommodate you on this one, mate. Uh, Nine dollars, nine to one. It is uh, Temple. Uh, Ten dollars in decimal language. But it, this is a. It looks a great race on paper, and it's a even probably even better, even better betting race on paper as well too. Nothing between the top three. Uh, we've landed with Tribuven as favourite at three dollars fifty or five to two. A tick out then to Gufo at $3.70 and then a flat three to one, $4 for Adamo. So looks a great race. It's going to be a great betting race. This is a, this is almost the race of the day. I love it. Do you give Temple any count at that kind of price, Nick? You know, my problem, I bet Temple two starts back and he had an absolutely perfect trip and won by a length over Shamrocket. So, I mean, that's my worry. And, and yeah, he moved. The, the, the running line actually belies his performance last time out. It looks like he made a middle move. He really moved as Gufo moved, and Gufo just absolutely blew by him. So that's kind of my concern. The angle is the, is Maker off the layoff in a distance turf race, right, which we've seen over time him do exceptionally well in these races. But I, I almost feel as if if you asked Maker, he would tell you 
the fact that we got a graded stake race with this claim is about all we were going to be capable of getting. Fair enough. We can't wait to see how it plays out. The day's featured race is race number 12, 545 p.m. Both these grade ones you can watch on CNBC. Our colleague Matt Bernier will be part of that coverage. Hopefully we'll get to see him over there today. And the big one is the Haskell, tvg.com, Haskell, million dollars in the pot, mile and an eighth. We talked about the potential match race before. This is another one. Shapes on paper like a potential match between Taba and Jack Christopher. Another one. Look, I, I, there's no equity in bashing uh, morning lines, but this was one that I think surprised a lot of us with uh, on the morning line. Jack Christopher actually being the second choice, even three to two to the seven to five of Taba. I thought he looked like an even money shot. And I believe that's the way the fixed odds betting came out with Taba all the way out at five to two to Jack Christopher's evens. Dallas, you correct me if I'm wrong on that. This is one where I'm really hoping we have some betting news. Yeah, yeah, we do. We have a lot. It's great to be able to talk about live betting action. We did go up uh, even money, Jack Christopher, Peter, but um, there's a lot of marketing in that as well, too. I've got to be honest. Our, our, our markets and our numbers have it around about a twos on chance, so a dollar fifty chance, dollar sixty chance. Whoa. But um, we thought first first million dollar group one race, we want to put something up a little bit more competitive for the, uh, the those that wanted to get on early. So we went up at even money, but at uh, a very flimsy even money, a fragile even money. As soon as it was going, to, the money was going to come for it. Obviously, we're going to bring it in a bit more commensurate to what we thought. So um, there has been good money for it, but um, Tiber uh, two to one at the moment. Sorry. When I say two to one, it is almost two to one, but two to one, the level of uh, dollars that have come in for Tiber. So it's, it's attracted twice as much money so far as, um, as Jack Christopher. Um, but yeah, so at the moment, we're into a dollar 80 with uh, Jack Christopher, um, four to five if, uh, in, the, in the fractional language. Tiber is now $3.20, so between two to one and five to two decimal. And as I said, is the best backed runner in the race um, and the support for those two has seen Cyberknife now get out to $10 or nine to one in fractional language and uh, White, White Abario who opened up around about the seven or eight to one mark I think from memory is now out to 10 to one as well to $11. So at really the early indications, it does look like a bit of a match race on paper, um, but, um, and that's the early indications with the betting. We pretty much most of the money being held between those two um, and a little bit of specking for the other other runners at longer odds, which we which we have. It's been a consistent play at Monmouth. The, the big price runners get uh, get a little bit of love. But yeah, it's already shaping up as a very very competitive betting race. But uh, the news at the moment is Tybo is the best back runner. Interesting, Nick. You already tipped your hand that you're a Jack Christopher fan in this spot in one of our earlier discussions. Tell me what price you would still be uh, getting involved at. Uh, probably more than Dallas just said, but, um, I mean, you know, I think Jack Christopher really is about a three to five shot in this race. So, I mean, if you were getting a little bit more than that, if you were getting the even money that he started at, I, I think I could, I could back that for sure. But, um, I, I just don't, I don't like Taba. I, I don't, I feel like everybody who likes Taba or is betting Taba in this race, it's almost as if they want to say, I think Bob Baffert's going to cheat to win. Right. I mean, I just I don't know what other way to put it. Right. I, I know that probably seems harsh, but, you know, it's Bob training the horse again really doesn't make much of a difference. Right. He ran on Bob's training in the Sanity Derby. So maybe he didn't run on Bob's training in the Kentucky Derby, but he ran on 
training from somebody who was at the knee of Bob Baffert for years. So I just, I don't know what it is about him that would make him seem like he's going to get so much better. He's not really training all that great. Um, you know, he looks okay, but he doesn't look any better than he did earlier in the year. So I don't know if him coming back from the layoff is really going to be helpful. Jack Christopher's really, really good. You know, and I know he's had kind of, he had a bit of a soft trip last time out sitting off a slow pace, but I mean, he just annihilated those horses and he figures to get a great trip in here, stalking outside. I, I think this is the right place to try him around two turns as well. Um, given that Mammoth is a track that being forwardly placed generally is beneficial. It just seems like a great fit for him. It does seem to me that the sharp mile and an eighth is perfect. He does still have to answer the question, which, you know, just looking at his pedigree, you don't necessarily think a mile and an eighth. You look that looks pedigree sprinty. You watch him run in the afternoons. He shapes like a sharp mile and eighth going to be absolutely fine. I think part of it with Taba is, I think a lot of people are just willing to take the, the line right through the derby and then project a little bit of, you know, you project some speed figure improvement for age for a trainer who's won the race nine times. I'm, I'm not as right. cynical about the reasons for support of Taba, but I want him to prove it. And I think you're right. I mean, you might look down and see, okay, look at all these, uh, these bullet workouts, but, you know, watching him work, this is a horse who, I mean, I, he worked better ahead of the Derby, but was historically not a great workhorse and doesn't right. seem like he's a particularly great workhorse now. I just, I think he's, I think he's run into one in the form of Jack Christopher. And I'm interested in the idea of Jack Christopher winning this with Cyberknife running second to him and, uh, and maybe Taba running into a little bit of trouble, whether they decide to gun with Jack Christopher or whether Jack Christopher sits at Taba's throat latch and makes the move on the turn. I, I think there's a, our opinions are pretty similar, but I'm just, I'm just, I felt like I'm a little bit more respectful of, of Tava's chances. Who do you like to run second here? Um, you know, I, I would, I would, could probably cold punch over Cyberknife um, or even White Barrio. I, I think somebody coming from a little bit off the pace probably has an edge. I'm, I'm thinking that ultimately everybody gets bottomed out chasing Jack Christopher. So I, I would, I would probably use those two underneath. Um, I think that that the way that it, it unfolding that way makes sense. Let's move on to the two. Uh, we'll use the industry term walkout races, but you know, the hardcores among us will still be there firing away race 13. And these are, I should have pointed this out. There's the all stakes pick four from nine to 12. And then the pick six includes the, the last two races. I'm going to double check that to make sure I'm not saying it wrong, but we've pick got five this. Does for sure. Okay. Let's see the, uh, I think that's what it is. I, I did misspeak, so thank you. Thank you for that. The, the pick five um, does include these last two races, so very important for horizontal wagering purposes. That one starts in race number 10, uh, yeah, and that's a guaranteed pool, 200,000 that starts in race number 10. So important stuff. This maiden claimer goes as lucky race number 13. Who's going to win it, Nick? Not you can tell by me telling you what races the pick five spans that I'm already considering betting the late pick five that includes the 13th and 14th races. Um, because this race looks like it has a standout request for proposal is taking a big class drop. Obviously, Dave Duggan played with fire, claiming off of Chad Brown for 40, and the way this horse came back against 40 claimers at Belmont makes it clear that she can't be competitive at that level and needs a drop, and so she's getting the drop down to 16. I mean, these are, this is a different group of horses compared to what she's been facing. It's much, much weaker. She should get the job done. Blinker's going on. Might sharpen her up a bit early. 
I thought she loomed kind of a standout. The only horse I think I could make much of a case for as an alternative is the two war in paradise. Who's also on the drop for Claudio Gonzalez blinkers are going on and she showed some speed in the past. I think that might lead to a forwardly placed trip. So, uh, It'll be mainly six and a little bit of two for me. In the morning line, request for proposal, a pretty nice looking nine to two. What do you have her priced up at, Dallas? Five to two, Peter, $3.50. Okay. And uh, yeah, I think uh, we'll start favorite. Uh, Love Unlimited down the bottom, number 12, $3.90. So a tick under three to one. And a tick under four to one for War in Paradise, $4.80. Uh, next to inline Luna's treasure and open the gate both at five to one or six dollars. This long and competitive and fun day concludes in race number 14 at 6.49 p.m. Uh, $7,500 claimers, Phillies and Mares, three and up, six furlongs on the dirt. Nick, you said you're going to be playing this late pick five that kicks off in race number 10. How are you going to get paid? Yeah, it's, it's funny in this race is you look at the conditions and you see it's listed as a $7,500 two life. And I don't want Dallas to get involved in talking about the way we write races here, conditions <laughs> or things like that, because it's not going to be pretty. But and he's going to be right. But, um, but Alarm <laughs> Clock won her second one for the second time last time out. So you wonder how can she get in? Well, she's a three year old. So that's the only way that she could qualify for this race. It kind of makes her a standout. Right. I mean, she beat a number of these horses anyway. She beat Folk Hero. She beat Luscious. She's clearly the horse to beat. She was claimed for a third straight start in there. We'll see if she can continue to perform at a high enough level. It doesn't have to be sky high, admittedly, to beat these horses. I thought maybe for a slight upset, the eight expect to be ready on the drop as well. 12-5 down to 7,500. The thing about this drop is that they're going to the basement. Right, so 12.5, if it was 12.5 to 10, it's a drop. If it's 12.5 to 7,500, they're going right to the bottom. So they're looking to go as low as possible, claiming price-wise, to get the desired result. I think expect to be ready will improve. And um, I think being stuck inside last time out, maybe not the best situation, but I think you're going to want to include the five in any kind of multi-race play along with the eight. All right, good stuff. I love it. Dallas, uh, pricing-wise, what are we looking at for the final time on this Haskell Day card? Yeah, expect to be ready. A nice price. That'll get a nice cheer home to win the last and around about the 10 to 1 mark, $11 on the in the decimal world. But our favourite to finish off the day is Alarm Clock at $2.90, a tick under 2 to 1. Uh, $4.60 for Folk Hero, so 7 to 2. And I should have mentioned Blindsight, just a bit, a bit shorter than that, at $4.20. So not the greatest quality of race to end the day, but a pretty competitive betting race nonetheless to finish things off with. Can't wait to get over there. Going to be hot, but going to be busy and going to be fun and, and just incredible racing. Everything racing fans say they're looking for. We've got on display at Mama today. Look forward to hanging out with this cast of characters. And hopefully we'll see some listeners and viewers over there as well. We'll thank uh, Dallas and Nick and uh, sponsors of the show, Betmakers, one more time. Really appreciate all of your support and uh, yeah, ready to see what happens Next, this show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our cre chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your Haskell Day photos. <laughs>